Hey guys, welcome to the number one podcast, uh, the last set. Um, Sanhagen versus Dillashaw. A little bit controversial based on the scoring. What did you think? Well, let me start by asking you, what do you think is more important, significant strikes or octagon control? Um, because if you make the argument... I, that I, I think they're not better than each other. Yeah. I think you've got to define significant strikes and you've got to define octagon yeah. I think, I think the judges aren't to blame. It's the criteria's definitions because I think they think that octagon time means controlling the center. Yeah. And yes, pushing the action's good. Yeah. But it gets a little bit confusing with octagon control and mm -hmm. things like that because if you're controlling the center and just walking forwards, then if you're just eating shots, like Sean O'Malley was on the back foot, right? And Chris is taking a huge amount of punishment, but he's constantly taking the center and moving forward. Does he have more octagon control or is Sean punching his face off? Mm. Then if someone's also, let's say Kamara Usman is pushing someone up, or maybe, uh, let's say Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori is holding Israel Desanya up against the cage. He's not doing any significant strike. He's just staying there. Izzy's not doing anything either, but it's just stalling the fight. That can't be considered octagon time because I'm pretty sure I could go up to someone and just hug them as tight as I could. Just get two underhooks and just hug them as tight as I can. Not do anything, but make sure there's no space, similar to if you're on the ground. How can that be considered octagon time? Exactly. A, a significant octagon time. I think if you're controlling someone on the ground, yeah, that's different than controlling someone up at a cage. Okay, exactly. So... If you're in, if you're in, you got the mount and you're raining down strikes on them mm. or you're attacking them, okay, that's considered octagon control time. But if you're pushing them against the cage just to stall, that mm. shouldn't be considered octagon no. control time because that's what really irritated me. Because I thought that Corey Sanhagen, uh, from my from where I was standing, I thought like he put in the better strikes. He had, he had a much much better game plan going in. I mean, hats off to TJ. He had a strong chin. I'm pretty. Corey knocked him down at one point as well, so they should have scored that knockdown. It's been pretty significant. The fact that he actually busted open his face, but then again, the cut said it came from camp that opened up twice over the two weeks. Okay, fair enough. But then again, I'm uh, Corey threw way more significant strikes than TJ, and then that second round was just unbelievable. Mm. Where Corey and also Corey at one point did something I've never seen before where he did a flying knee straight into a triangle, which I thought was very, very impressive. I thought mm. the fight was going to be over right then and there. Uh, just, it was, uh, it was just, it was very back and forth at that times. Um, but yeah. the way I saw it was round one was pretty even. Okay. Maybe give it a TJ. Maybe. Round two was definitely Corey. Mm -hmm. Round three was... Um, maybe TJ. Maybe T... Um, well, I four, four you have to give to Corey. That yeah. was the big one. Exactly. If, if So one of the judges yeah. um, that scored it to TJ, Yeah. the only reason why TJ won on their scorecard was because they did a 10-9 to TJ. Yeah. And really in that round four, it should have been to Corey. Yeah. You can't... You can't say that uh, TJ won that won that round. A lot of people are saying it was a robbery. When a fight's that close, yeah. like an Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, mm -hmm. it's 
it, it's too difficult to say robbery when it's like blatant like some of the robberies like if you're in another nation have you got to worry about them taking away that victory from you when yeah. it's very clear cut it wasn't as clear cut yeah. with this when it's such a close fight and you get a split decision win for TJ it's okay it's not it's not a robbery but I feel like it could have been do a draw. Think, I think it could have been a draw or yeah. Corey won. Yeah. But I don't think it was quite a robbery. Yeah. If that makes sense. It yeah, exactly. It was it was it's a, it was razor thin, mm. depending on what you what uh where you stand. Mm. But it wasn't really it wasn't like it was it was yeah, you're right, it wasn't a massive, massive difference. However, uh I mean, welcome back, TJ. I mean, mm. uh, he spent over two years away from the Octagon. Uh, you know, came back and I'm pretty sure he had to piss in like every cup he could before he even took the fight. They would have been testing him like absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, well, he came back and he did it pretty well and he took out Corey Sanhagen. I mean, Corey, because Corey is just getting one of those fighters who just got better and better and better. And one thing I was so impressed with was his ground game because after he lost to Aljamain Sterling, he'd improved significantly. He was really putting, I mean, I'm pretty sure that TJ said that he popped his lean at one point. And then the, I mean, because uh, Corey actually sank in a heel hook, and then said he tore his MCL. Yeah, before the fight. Before the fight. Um, so he wasn't able to do any sparring this camp. Wow, there you go. Very impressive. Yeah. And then he his his knee was probably pretty fucked since the first or second round. Yeah. Then he had the massive cut, um, <coughs> brutal. <coughs> Excuse me, in in his eyebrow, which is a terrible place for you to get a cut, especially right, even not off to the side, but directly in the middle of your of your eyebrow, close to your nose. That's where it's just going to sting. It's going to cloud your vision. And um, Corey was taking advantage of that. You know, he was making sure that he was continuing to fire off that jab on that side and making sure if it was a blind spot, why not take advantage of it? So, look, I, I think. Um, I think it was a really, really good display for the bantamweight division. Like, there's a lot of amazing talent in the bantamweight division now. I know there's a little bit of confusion with Pideon and Aljamain Sterling, who's the rightful champion, but you you got to say these guys are both yeah. next-level contenders. Like, when you crack that top five, that's when it's just an elevation in skill, to be honest. Um and uh, I, I, there was a few weird call-outs, actually. I, I saw Cody Garbrandt. He says he um, he wants to run it back with TJ. I don't see that being a good move. I don't think many people would entice a, uh, uh, a trilogy when you've lost 2-0 pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey, look, I think Corey should have got the nod. Not a robbery, but, you know, he obviously made it really clear he can handle with the big boys. Like yeah. TJ is considered probably one of the top three bantamweight champions out there, right? Ex bantamweight champions. Yeah. Um, if Corey can hang with TJ, and in my opinion, beat him, he he still deserves, you know, a crack at that title. So, Sean Shelby apparently he uh, pinky promised with Corey Sanhagen right after the fight. He said, uh, "says I promise you, you're one, you're still one fight away from a title fight." Yeah. So. Whoever he fights next, uh, I, have no I feel idea. bad for them. I have an idea. Yeah, because right now, just as before we started recording this, before we started recording the podcast, Aljamain Sterling and Pudion are set to fight around December. Mm-hmm. They're targeted to fight. So he beat Corey Sanhagen. Okay, so how about Rob Font? 
A man who's fresh. He's, you know, he's definitely on the street. He's got mad hands. You know, done. He's done exceptionally well lately, and he's number three in the rankings. And since uh, what's his name, uh, TJ Dillashaw, has called out. He said he believes he should fight for the championship or a top five. Mm. And in the top five, you also got Jose Aldo. But then again, well, fifth is Cody Garbrandt. But I don't really want to see Cody fight. Um, I don't really want to see Cody and DJ, TJ fight for the third time as of now, considering that Cody's just come off a loss. So that's why I believe that Rob Font is the correct uh, fight for him. I think maybe a TJ Dillashaw versus Rob Font and a Corey Sanhagen versus a Jose Aldo. Because for him to fight an ex-featherweight champion after, f- um, in my opinion, beating an ex-bantamweight champion, that's that's a legacy shit. Yeah, that's, that's cool that's to see. Shit. So I think I think Sanhagen versus Jose Aldo would be really good, and then uh, Dillashaw against uh, Rob Font that'd be really good because um, they're both really well rounded. I mean, and and Rob's boxing is very sharp, and I'd like to see how that goes with TJ's uh, really cool movement with his Muay Thai. You know, I really like to see. I'd really like to see that matchup and see if he can, if he's can still. He's beaten Corey Sanhagen, which is a huge feather in his cap. Coming two years off, like a massive layoff, like two years is huge. Mm-hmm. So much pressure. Everyone was saying, "Oh, you look skinny. You look different without being on EPO." Now he's proven that you know he's well rounded. Like he's got chin. He's got cardio. You know he's. He's got conditioning. He's well-rounded in terms of wrestling and stand-up. So, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see TJ have another fight before he starts doing any title fights. Yeah. I mean, two years come back. I think you get to fight for the title straight away when there's all the fighters have been active in between. Mm. Absolutely not. The, the Aljamain Sterling thing makes it a bit funny. Yeah. You have to run it with PD on. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And um, although Aljo, he said. Um, if Corey wins, I don't think Corey's done enough to fight me. And then if TJ wins, TJ's done enough and he can fight me next. So he was thinking that TJ could skip the 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 queue and beat and fight him instead of PD on, which is a weird move to be honest. I, it might even just be to rile up and to troll people. But yeah. Um, I think Aljamain's still going to fight PD on. So look, if they're still going to have that fight, and we don't even know when since he's had next surgery, he's got to wait till. At least, I think, October, November. It's been set for roughly around December. Around December. Look, if you've got to wait that long, he's got to still fight again. Yeah, yeah. Especially having two two years off. I know he's got his clean juice and all that. (laughs) um, And he's got his his businesses and things like that to make a bit of money. Because apparently he makes more money through his clean juice stuff than actually fighting in the cage, which is significant in the fact that maybe he won't even be that keen to stay active um, and fight again this year. Maybe he might have to fight next year. But uh, to me, I think Sanhagen, like you said, should f- probably fight Rob Font. Mm-hmm. That's a cool matchup since Rob just beat Cody Garbrandt. And I'd like to see if Rob can fight two ex-Bantamweight champions. You know, that that's that's fucking cool. That'd be really cool to see. And then, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see uh, Aljamain... So not. Uh, uh, I'd like to see Jose Aldo against um, Sanhagen. That'd be sick. Mm-hmm. That'd be really cool. Okay, so we had the uh, co-main event, which was Carla Phillips against uh, uh, Rulian uh, Pava. 
Yeah. Yeah, I hope I said that correctly. Uh, the first thing I noticed was uh, in Rulian's corner was Rai Faber. Mm. I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That was pretty good. Mm. Now, uh, Kyla Phillips is bloody quick, mate. I was say, right? He's very fast on the feet, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He was definitely popping off the shots, and I actually thought the first round was way that the way that he fought. I thought the first round was clearly going to him because even though the judges scored this 28-28, so one judge thought it was a draw, mm. and then two judges scored it 28-29. So this was an incredibly close fight between the two. Uh, then probably I got the win. But the, again, the way I see it, I honestly thought, again, thought that Kyla won this one. Let me break them down. Okay, attempted 132 uh, strikes, right? Mm-hmm. 74 of them, sorry, uh, significant strikes. 74 of them succeeded, all right, to uh, Rulian's 51. And then Kyla scored a knockdown off an elbow when he hit him against the cage. And then in terms of takedowns, uh, Kyla attempted nine and succeeded in four, and Rulian uh, attempted six and succeeded two. So someone can, can someone please break down to me? How did Kyla lose that fight? Um, I think, the, I mean, the most significant one was probably the first round. The yeah. first round, you have to give that to Kyla. So, in the judges' minds, they believe he won round two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe a ra- round two could have maybe given to to Rulian, but then the round three is up for grabs, and it was just that close. Um, I do think maybe the ta- the takedowns and things like that could have been a bigger factor for Phillips getting the nod. Um, it is one of those things that looked a little bit of a close fight, especially in that third round as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not too... Uh, honestly, I like Phillips, and I'm not too sure why he didn't get the nod, but it was a close fight. Mm-hmm. It was a close fight. When it goes to a majority decision and things like that, um, and they're both like what... You know, Paiva's, he's number 12 in the rankings and Phillips is number 14. You know, they're closely matched, you know, and you're going to expect a close fight. So, honestly, I just think it was damn close. You know, you yeah. probably could have, uh, you could have probably scored it for either. Um, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things that I'm just happy that I think Phillips has got a lot of room to grow being so young. Um, not that Paiva is, isn't young himself, but. I, I think Phillips has just got a lot of room to grow. And I really like his stand-up, to be honest. It's nice and flowy. It's yeah. very. Uh, I, I like the flow he's got on his feet. I just think that perhaps it's good that he he didn't. He's not going to lose his ranking over this. He's still. He, it's it's a loss, but it's not. It wasn't a thrashing. It wasn't a no, domination. It wasn't like it an was, ass whipping. It wasn't an ass whipping. It was just a close fight with someone close in the rankings and. It just means you're supposed to be there. It's it's not a bad thing, you know. You're you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be in the top fifteen. So, um, not the worst, not the worst decision of the night and things like that. Um, I, I I think it was, yeah, brilliant. Still a brilliant fight. Do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it was fight of the night. I was very intrigued by it. Uh, you know, I actually really really enjoyed it, and I was very happy that it went a distance. But just I just when I was looking at it, I was just like, how, how did, I just didn't see how Rulian won it. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And especially when you score a knockdown, like, come on, it's, 
especially when banterweights, when banterweights aren't really the as, kind of the, as powerful. Yeah, as exactly. The ones, yeah. So that's why I believe that that was to make the override, overriding factor. And the other thing is like, you know, if we're talking about takedowns and, you know, it's not, a lot of them love to score takedowns, right? So if you defend a takedown, that's okay. But if then you succeed in a takedown, right? Mm. And then if you look at the attempts that they had, and if you have a, a pretty successful number of six, uh, sorry, a pretty good number of successful takedowns, that's got to add up even more. Mm. And then the other thing I've got to notice is this is a case of like, um, based on judges' scorecards, okay, the first round, they absolutely smash and dominate mm. and they made it look like a 10-8 and then they got two 10-9 rounds afterwards. Yeah. But then it's, two, it's a case of two judges score in the first round of 10-9. So that's where it sort of like comes into play here. Mm. Do you think maybe it was close enough to have be a draw? Exactly. I could have think. That's exactly, again, I think yeah. it could have been a draw. Mm. But because... It was a case of, okay, dominate and smash the first round and you score a great round and then your opponent tries to play catch-up. But then again, over the two rounds, they're not... Those two rounds in terms of difference don't add up to beat the amount of smashing that you gave them in the first round. No. Unless it is that significant that they're completely gassed. Yeah. Where it completely changes the side of uh, the... It's hard to do, and especially in a third, in a three-round fight, mm-hmm. five rounds. That's when your, you know, your long distance, your long distance um, matchups can can start to like sway later in those later rounds. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, I mean, a lot of people were a lot confused, uh, very confused about. They're, they're a bit confused on. On scoring, I mean, some people like uh, John Anik, he, he mentioned, you know, Carla Fitz probably could have got a 10-8 yeah. in that first round. It was yeah. that significant, you know. Um, you know, it, it was a... It, I don't think that judging is an easy thing to do. No. Well, I but I think their criteria is shit. Yeah, I, I just don't think it was a good enough on this card. I mean, mm. again, not to steer off topic, but it's not the main one of our topics for today. But the biggest overall, um, what really tipped, pissed him off the most was the fact that Macy Barber beat Miranda Maverick. Mm. Now, I'm not taking a dump on him or her or anything like that. But if you go by stats, yeah. you wouldn't understand that. Exactly. Correct. Considering that Macy Barber threw 111 to Miranda's literally uh, 143. And of those 147 were successful. She had, And Macy Barber had six takedown attempts and only scored one of them. And Miranda had a 100% takedown uh, rate, which means she only took one and she scored one. And she also put her on her back, sorry, and literally ham- rained down f- her shots on her. I'm like, how is that not in- Like, I don't get, understand how that's not enough. Mm. Uh, I think that was the main one that um, that pissed off a lot of people on the yeah. night, to be honest. I think that was the biggest one because they were just like, how did she win that? Yeah. You know, again, split decision win, but like... How? How? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is where we come back to the it's, idea. It's, it's understanding. Yeah. It's just understand. Yeah. So a lot of people, I think, uh, I think it was Lauren Murphy, um, uh, another uh, female fighter. She mentioned, um, I saw it later that day. She she mentioned, look, how come we don't understand why the judges score this way? Like, yeah. why can't they just ride the bottom of the thing and just be like, what's the reason for the winning? Or dominating, it should be damage, or it should be 
it should be octagon control or submission attempts. Like it needs to have a reasoning behind it. And because judges, no matter how controversial the decision, there's no Twitter for them to put a statement out. There's no press conference for them to to reveal their opinion. And they could be right. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. They could, You could just be like, you make a reasonable argument. Yeah. Well done. But not even that, but they ask, they go after the fighters as well. Mm. I'm like, oh, it was your performance at the end of the day, but you're not the one who's deciding whenever no. you win or lose unless you knock them out or submit them. And to be honest, can you really, can you really think that like the other fighter that, that won, they're going to feel bad to the point that they're going to be like, no, I'm going to stand up in front of everyone at the committee and go, no, change it and give him the win. And by the way, I have a win purse. Give him my win purse. Fuck no, they're not going to do that. Yeah, no, they're going to do that. They've got families and shit to do. They're not going to do that shit. Yeah. And that's why there's a little bit of an issue with if you've, the incentive of a win bonus is that, you know, once you win, you know, that's your intent of showing I worked really hard in order to put on my best performance, right? If you win and maybe you weren't supposed to win, doesn't matter yeah. because you'll lose that if it gets reversed anyway. Yeah. If it gets overturned, all right, you've already paid your win bonus if that's in terms of drugs and shit like that. But if you've if you technically lost that fight and you got given your win bonus, why would you then be like, because I know this Macy Barber, she was like, well, I don't understand. I thought I did win that fight. Yeah. Most fighters do think they won that fight. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, it doesn't really, it's not on the fighters to make that decision or to be rained down on because most fighters with the ego that they have will say, I won that fight. Really, it should be the judges and the judging criteria that should be scrutinized. And that's why they should have an actual voice to defend themselves. If you're, if the judges are going to be attacked afterwards, maybe they should have a voice as well. Yeah. Because maybe they might be right, but most of the time they're wrong. <laughs> um, Elkins versus uh, Minna. My favorite, think? my favorite performance of the night. Yeah. Darren earns that performance of the night bonus, mm. man. Earned it. He can still hang at 37. He is the worst tattoo in the <laughs> what the damage across his chest? I mean, Darren Till's got a really bad one. Which, I think which he's is got an ex girlfriend on his arm. <gasps> he's got an ex girlfriend. I think it's his ex girlfriend. His current. I don't know, but it yep. looks horrible. It's <laughs> so shit. Wow. And then when he's old and wrinkly and saggy, then that he just gets a, a really fatter and wrinklier girlfriend on his arm. I thought Greg Hardy had the worst. Um, Greg Hardy had the worst one where it was like some sort of into. Twine like grapevine on his back, and it was like half colored in or something oh like that. And, and then the, uh, Tony Ferguson had the wings on his back at one point, and he just had the outline, and then he had a half colored. That's in. because he was getting them done. Yeah, he had a fin- and then he got them finished, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, you can get added to it, but yeah. like the damage, it looks horrible. It looks <laughs> so bad. It's like someone's branded it to his chest. It, yeah, that's what it, I think. That's what he was trying to go for. Like that looks fucking sick. No, it looks horrible. <laughs> he looked, did a really good performance, right? And yeah. Like, that ground and pound and shit that he that he that he got done was amazing, right? But uh, just laser laser removal after yeah. you win bonus, mate. Well, we all know Darren Elkins is the guy who's known for his comeback against Masab Bektik, where he um mm. a few years back, four years actually, where he was just getting absolutely mauled, and then in the final round, he just in those last few minutes, he just came back and he just went into as you said, forever be remembered. 
or that video of him stomping around the cage, blood all over his face, eyes are all like puffed up, he's got the cauliflower ears, his face is all red, it's just Joe Rogan's in there crying, like that's what he was known for. And I just felt like we got a little bit of back of that mm-hmm. today because he again, when he finished a fight in the second round, he just went, he just, what is it? He just wore uh, Derek out in the f- in at the end of that second round, and he just rained down shots on top of him. And at one point, he was going to secure an arm triangle, mm. wore him out, and then just again kept raining all these hammer fists down him. Then he got off him, started stomping around with all that blood coming down his face, and just felt like that was a was a little bit of a testament to the old days, really. Do you think like Middle won that first round? Yeah. Huh? Do you reckon Middle won that first round? What Derek? Do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, oh Derek. <laughs> Derek won the first round. Yeah. But That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the second round, though. Yeah, he smashed him. Yeah. And then Elkins just came back and smashed him. No, that's what I'm saying. Do you reckon Minna, like, do you think that could have been a... Oh, I don't know if it, if it's a 10-8. Could have been. Could have been? Could have been. It Maybe. wasn't far off it, because I understand, because Derek did have him uh, against the cage for uh, pretty much the whole round. Mm. And then uh, he... D- Darren was just getting more and more frustrated and then he was switching all these positions. Like he had really, really good jujitsu to Derek. And then at one point, he actually secu- uh, secured a quite tight armbar on him. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh Jesus Christ! And then Darren managed to get his way out of it because he's got incredibly good, ground, incredibly good ground game. Slick. Yeah, very slick. So, yeah, probably I do agree with you. That was a ten A round. I mean, mm-hmm. just because again, but that's real. Octo- for me, my definition of octagon. Re- control is when you're on the ground and you're raining shots down them or you're constantly switching your position mm. like you know you're switching between full guard and mount and you know uh, you put them in and try and attack them with all these different submission attempts you attacking know. yeah it's attacking. attacking not just putting your weight on me from side control or something like that yeah, that doesn't there's some form of offense involved correct. where they're trying to advance when you're at least trying to advance position that's what walking towards someone's supposed to kind of illustrate. You're mm-hmm. trying to advance position. You're trying to be offensive. I think uh, I, I think that's kind of lost in the criteria. Yeah. What do you think of um, Yanez versus Costa? Very that was that was a scrap. That was probably that was a surprise. I thought Costa was going to get him in in mm. the first round. He switched up all these different types of kicks and was throwing all these like head kicks at him, leg kicks, mm. body kicks. And I thought to myself, and then Costa kept pumping him with that jab. And then he was completely controlling the range. Costa's got really long arms, by the way. Mm. And then for, especially for a bantamweight, he just kept pumping that uh, jab against Janice, against the cage. And then he did this really good, he does this really good one where he sort of like leans in, throws a jab, leans in, leans in, waits for him to throw one back and then he hits him with a really good counter punch with a straight right and uh, he was just doing that really well and he was playing his game and I just felt like he was kind of enticing him to load up on his shots yeah Yeah. correct like trying to get him bait him getting frustrated Mm. and then just Yanis sorry Yanis was like okay then and then the second round just pumped that jab non-stop at him just wore him out completely Mm -hmm. and then that's uh, and it was also because he let Costa wear out he became very the uh, commentators were saying, "Oh, he's become very stationary now," mm. and then Yanis just capitalized on that and just came back. Mm. I didn't see it coming, but I thought it was very impressive. What about you? No, I, I thought it, I thought it was brilliant—a really, really massive scrap, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with Giannis definitely deserved deserve the win. I just thought, um, I mean, Costa, first round was big for Costa, but he, he just started to decline after that. Started His movement started to become slower and slower. I just don't think he was as conditioned as Giannis, to be honest. And I think um, I, I, what I really liked that was significant for me was the respect they had for each other afterwards. Like mm. straight away on social media, they were just saying, good luck, I know you're going to be a big contender one day to each other. And even and right after the fight, they shook hands and hugged it out and said, yeah, I've been training my boxing really hard um, because you, you're so slick on the feet and things like that. So, nah, that's um, they were both very closely matched, but I think conditioning was a massive factor in this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so... Next week, we've got Uriah Hall versus Sean Strickland. Mm. Now, I know for a fact that Orlando is going to be tuning into that fight and he's mm. going to be like, uh, he's going to probably be tweet sending messages to Uriah Hall, man. He says, I'll, I don't know, something like, I'll pay you 100K if you, I don't know, make Strickland tap or something along those something lines. Something like that. <laughs> something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, I I feel, I, I think Sean Strickland's great. I think he's a phenomenal fighter, you know. Um, he's doing well, but I don't see him beating Uriah Hall, especially when he's on a hot streak. He's beating legends left, right, and center. He's now got metal shins that, well, let's just say for effect, you know, we don't need to te- te- tell him anymore about that because of Chris Weidman's situation, you know. But and then they f- they kind of thrown him Sean Strickland, like I don't. I don't see the logic behind this match booking, you know what I mean? Mm, they are still fairly close. And, I mean, a lot of people are less and less caring about the rankings. They yeah. care less and less in these. I mean, they, they, they care less and less about the rankings being significant, right? But, I mean, Uriah's number eight at the moment mm-hmm. and uh, Strickland's number 11. So mm. it's not that far in the rankings and things like that. Um, to be honest, Strickland's got probably everything to gain right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hall's a big name, big, big name. He's fought some of the best a- out there. And um, for Uriah Hall, he's he, let's be really for middleweight, he's an aged competitor. He's 36 now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if he ever wants to fight for that title, he needs to move quickly. So fighting anyone and, and at any time is the best move for him. So obviously taking someone like Strickland, I think uh, I think it's the, the best move. Look, I think Uriah Hall will piece Strickland up. I like Strickland. I think he's a, a decent bloke, and I, I think uh, I think his boxing is very quick, but he's very stationary. His movement is very slow, um, and he simply kind of he almost plods forward, mm-hmm. and he's got a chin on him for sure, which is why I think he's quite confident just to continue plod forward, and he's not quite thinking. I need to move right off the line and move around and be very light on my feet, moving in and out of range. Hall is the opposite. Hall comes from that kind of old school karate background mm-hmm. mixed in with his kickboxing, and, and he's got a lot better on the ground as well. I think uh, I think Uriah Hall, he's something special. I think he was given opponents quite... He's, he was giving... I mean, he got Paul Costa, so yeah, yeah, and he lost a uh, he lost a Paolo. I think Hall was given some of the worst like matchups yeah. out there on his way up, and now that he's thirty six, he's a much more learned veteran, and uh, I think he'll I think he'll KO Strickland. Yeah, I think he'll KO him in maybe the second round. 
I believe Hall was a case of just being pushed too too soon, too mm, quickly, too soon. So. I feel like it was one of those uh, types of fighters. But now he's like come back, but he's gained a lot from all that experience. You know, he hasn't lost. His last loss was to Paolo back in July of 2018. Since then, he's hasn't been beaten. You know, and he's been taking uh, sm- uh, only a few, like one fight a year since 2018. So he's beaten uh, Bevan Lewis. He beat Antonio Carlos Jr. He'd be Anderson Silva, and he's being Chris Wyman. So he slightly climbed back up the rankings, and you're right about him being seasons in age. Like, he needs to move right now. He needs to move quick because he hasn't fought twice in one year since 2018. Mm. They're, they're interesting. They're both on four-fight win streaks, which yeah. is, it was interesting as well. I think, um, I think Strickland is very good in terms of he's very quick with his jab. He's very quick... He's just he's quick with his hands, but not his feet. His feet are very stationary. He stays there, and sometimes he'll take one to give one, mm-hmm. and then he'll follow up from there. And as long as he's first in the exchange, that seems to be where he's well. Like if if Sean makes sure he's the first one in the exchanges and he starts first, mm-hmm. then that usually works out okay because then he he can overcome his opponents with volume. But with Uriah Hall, like, he's just... The dude's as explosive as it gets. Um, and you got to watch out for those spinning back kicks, Spinning man. back kicks and spinning <laughs> hook kicks. kicks and the, the, the guy's damn good, and he's something special. And um, I think he's just been given really tough challenges, but I think he walks through Strickland. And I think Strickland ha- does have a chin, but I think Hall's got a special type of power, um, a special type of athleticism. So... I think Strickland has, has fought some of the best and his own, his losses have only been to, you know, the best in the welterweight division, you know, including Kamara Usman, the current champion. So I think it's a close matchup, but I think Hall will most likely knock out Strickland based on Strickland's there to be hit. And I think it's a perfect matchup for yeah. Uriah Hall because he's such an interesting striker. When and where are you going to say the knockout? Second but round. I'm going to say third round. Third round? Yeah, like who likes to ease into it and catch him by surprise? You're right. He can be a little bit of a slow starter a yeah. little bit in the first round. He can be a bit... The only issue with Uriah Hall is he can be a bit hesitant. He's yeah. not very full of himself. He's He doesn't have that confidence. He's not an overconfident guy. He's actually quite a nervous fighter. Mm. Um, and I don't think he... I think he... The main thing when you look at his story on the Ultimate Fighter and things like that, it's when... He's got all the physical gifts in the world. It's the mental edge that he needs. So I think if he, he's mentally ready, he's sharp, I think uh, Hall will walk through Strickland quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the co-main event, we've got Shamil Abdurhakimil. How do you say his name, Jack? How we out here? Don't let me hang in. <laughs> Versus Ab- Abdul Ratalimichmov uh, versus Nortius. Uh, d- sorry, uh, Dortius. Yeah, yeah. Do- do- oh, I hope that's how you say his name. Fuck, it's brutal. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's brutal. Uh, Abdul, just call him Shamil and Chris. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Shamil. Well, no, no I, I'm going to try this again. Abd- Abdul, because you know, like with the uh, John Anik, the Anik and Florian podcast, their yeah. segment on their podcast is all right. This guy's name, pronounce it. And then we're going to listen to the fighter pronounce their name. <laughs> Fucking brutal. That's what we should it. do right now. <laughs> uh, do you want to try again? Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm going to... I'll spell it out to you and you have to try it. 
All right, yep. take two. <laughs> All right. Uh, wait one sec. Okay. A B D U R A K H I M O V. Abdul Rakimov. Abdul Rakimov. Abdul Rakimov. Okay. Abdul Rakimov. And D A U K A U S. Dalkaus. 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 Abdul Rakimov and Dalkaus. Okay. Abdul Rakimov and Dalkaus. That's fucking brutal. Is this the last uh, or Sesame Street, man? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so Shamil Ab- Abdul Rakimov yeah. and Chris Dalkaus, they're going to be fighting um, ne- next week. Yeah. Um, um, the under, the, under the Kona Man event yep. of Horva Strickland. How do you see that one going? Uh, well, Abdul Rakimov. Uh, he's been coached now by Khabib, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, so Khabib's got in his corner. All these fighters now that have got Khabib in their corner are pretty much going on something of undefeated uh, record right now. Mm. So I do think that could, that could go down potentially. However, Chris Dakos, he's been doing pretty well lately. He's been undefeated in the UFC so far. He's had mm-hmm. four, f- three fights in the UFC against Alexia and Nick, Rodrigo... Uh, Nick uh, Rodrigo Ferreira and also uh, Parker Porter, and they're all first round knockouts. Mm. So, oh man, I expect fireworks. But the thing is, uh, Shamil's a very very seasoned fighter. He's got he's twenty and you know he's twenty and uh, five. He's thirty nine. He's an old fella. He's not the kind. Yeah, he's not the kind that probably uh, has much left in him. And he's been fighting ever since in the UFC since 2015. So, six years. So, I think, you know, now that he's got, uh, now that he's got, uh, what's his name? Sorry, Khabib in his corner. I reckon if it goes to the ground, uh, Shamil is probably going to have a high chance of submitting him. But, however, if it stays down, I reckon Chris is going to probably knock him out. And I reckon Shamil needs to make a move quickly and be smart because if Chris catches him in the first round, that's it, game over. Yeah. I so I reckon this, this, I don't expect this fight to last long. No, I don't. I mean, whenever it's a big heavyweight fight, I don't really see the fight going too far. I mean, I know when we were talking about Greg Hardy versus um, Taito Vasa, we knew that was not leaving the first round, maybe even the first minute of the first round. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we we knew that when these he- heavyweights start slugging, they can all knock each other out. Within you know what I mean? seconds. Crack. Yeah, yeah. Crack. Um, I mean, interesting enough, so, you know, with Shamil, Shamil actually was supposed to fight, um, oh, fuck. Uh, Alexander Sakai. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to fight him um, back in March this year, but uh, that fight got pulled because he had was having visa issues through Russia. Mm-hmm. Now that he's got his visa issues sorted and he's got Habib in his corner, it's an interesting fight uh, now that he's going to be fighting Chris Dalkus. Um, I mean, Chris is undefeated in the UFC. That dude's got power in his hands. Yeah. He's just got... We, I mean, it's always weird at the heavyweights. They've always got a funny physique a little bit, a mm-hmm. um, little bit on the heavier side. I know Dalkus, he probably outweighs um, Shamil by a little bit, by at least 15 to 20 pounds. So he is the heavier competitor. Um, I think with Dalkus, it's mainly... Th- whenever there's 
whenever there's confidence in your KO ability that, oh, this guy's really good and this guy will KO him in the first round, then I think, well, how long, how's he going to go in second and third? Because if he's out of those, then it's similar to maybe Conor McGregor and things like that. If he comes out of that first round, well, what does his cardio look like? Because mm. he's a heavyweight. He's a heavyweight, so that's a, that he's got a larger physique. How, is, how does that tax his cardio? Um, with with Daukas, I think, like you said, the, the thing for him is he's probably going to try and knock the guy out in the yeah. first round. He's going to try and quickly rise up the ladder very, very quickly. Um, there's obviously a noticeable age difference as well. There's an eight-year difference between them. Daukas yeah. in his prime... Shamil 39. That's an old competitor. He's most likely he's going to be looking... Shamil's most likely looking for uh, an easy win by involving a little bit of more grappling than yeah. he's used to, you know? Um, and trying to avoid Dalkis's, um hands, especially up against the cage. If he if Dalkis starts getting your back against the cage, he's probably going to try and move off that cage right away. Don't, don't get his back anywhere near that. Um, if anything... I rate Shamil's wins in the UFC more than Daukas. Yeah. Uh, he's higher ranked than Daukas, and he's, look, he's defeated Marcin Tybura, brilliant fighter. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest name he's probably fought is Derek Lewis. Yes, he lost to him, and he was knocked out by Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis can knock out anyone. Yeah. Um, to be honest, Cyril I... Gun, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, um, to be honest, I'm thinking it's a very close matchup. The same height, same reach. Dalkis has got slightly longer legs. I think the leg reaches are three inches longer. I actually take Dalkis, who's the younger competitor. He's got dynamite in his hands. Yes, he's a bit fresh. Doesn't have the experience that Shamil has, but uh, I think that Ab- Abdurakimov. Oh, he's just. I, there's always questions around someone's age when they get that old, even if they're in the heavier categories like light heavyweight and heavyweight. I know there's a Glover Teixeira and things like that, but... Yeah, and there was a Randy Couture. But but those guys were... Outliers. They were out, elite outliers. And I, I don't know if Shamil is one of those outliers. Yeah. Um, I think I think I rate Daukas in this fight a little bit more. As long as he's... St- stays far away from Shamil and just keeps trying to crack him and keep his distance in terms of um, being ready for any double leg or single leg takedowns. Um, because you better believe if, if Chris has got been known for his, you know, round one knockout power, Shamil is going to be trying to dive in on a, on a single leg quite quickly, especially if he's got Habib in his corner. So I would take Dalkus and I think uh, second round KO. I'm going to say Dalkus first round KO. First round KO. Brilliant. I want him to keep that streak up, but I reckon he's going to come out guns blazing. <laughs> anyway, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Uh, there's a couple more topics we want to go, but we will resume them in the uh, next episode of the podcast, which we'll be filming soon. Guys, be sure to check out the previous podcast as we are now uh, getting more interviews with fighters as, as our podcast grows. We've officially been doing this for over a year and we are not far off from 100 episodes. I just want to say thank you so much, guys, for your support so far. There is so much more content to come. All the best. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Take care.